0: stilts i'm really with you the pants completely changed the game
1: oh yeah i wouldn't care at all if i saw just like naked legs on stilts i wouldn't care i'd just be like wow great job that looks kind of hard um (laughs) hello dear listeners and happy halloween the episode we have for you today is a lot of fun one of our most favorite eternal ghouls in the history of time and space is joining me today, Sarah Marshall from You're Wrong About. We wanted to figure out a theme for you that reflected the joy of the season, so we decided that we would share some of our less serious fears with you, our dearest fears, if you will. On both our shows, we spend a lot of time talking about some of the sillier things that have panicked moral guardians and the American population throughout history. So we thought it only fair to break down some of the sillier things that freak us out. So for this episode, I will be telling Sarah some of my dearest fears. And if you head over to the You're Wrong About feed afterwards, you can hear a companion episode where Sarah tells me her dearest fears. So bring all your favorite phobias, eerie feelings, and uncanny upsets, because today you'll be in good company. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and this is
0: American hysteria. Welcome to the American wrong about hysteria, Halloween realistic fears, spooktacular. Hello, (laughs) Chelsea. Hello, Sarah. What a beautiful mashup, a mashup for the ages. I'm happy with it. Welcome to the Dunder Mifflin Race for the Cure Against Rabies 5K Fun Run (laughs) Pro-Am. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But better. (laughs) So
0: yeah, what are we going to be doing with this little series, Sarah? We are just going to be talking about my fears and your fears and our fears because I feel like something we we talk about a lot is that we both do shows that are basically you literally have episodes of your show called the calm down yeah (laughs) um and i feel like that's the effect that we're both going for to some extent where we take sort of objects of moral panic or mass hysteria and are like what if we like pulled this all apart and just like you know could see it more clearly and wouldn't that be great and yet you and I are both or I I say and yet but I think it fits that you and I are both also people who like to be scared very true recreationally and who you know like any other human being kind of (laughs) lie awake and think about our fears and I thought that it would I don't know it just be fun to explore what we find scary and why because you're my favorite person to talk about fear with
1: you're my favorite person to talk about fear with (sighs) and i think and and maybe you have a different idea but i think we're going to keep these fears on a little bit of like a lighter level but that doesn't mean we're not going to get into some more existential fears as well because you know yeah it's a broad spectrum when we're talking about fear here so i've got some like fun fears to share with you, but I think that they'll like probably give way to some some larger fears that we probably share together. I love that.
0: Yeah, and that I, that was what I wanted to do too. And it's, it's hard to not let the more serious stuff creep in from some angles. But like many other people, I'm always excited to find another big list someone has compiled of creepy Wikipedia articles. And there's something to me, flavor-wise about things that are scary in ways that you can't quite explain, right? If, you, yeah. if the article is like, abduction of this person, you're like, well, it's very clear why, why I and so many other people find that scary. But the things that sort of get under your skin or where there isn't quite a nameable threat are really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think we're kind of talking about the subconscious here Mm. a little bit more than what feels very clear to be afraid of like your example or like, oh my God, a man's chasing me in the night Mm -hmm. versus why did I look at that thing and have this like overwhelming, creeped out, eerie feeling, but I don't understand at all why. So I think that that's what I'm most
0: interested in. That reminds me that there was a great, I think this is one of those like famous Tumblr posts or something where somebody was like, is there anything scarier than someone jogging by and like smiling at you, like (laughs) jogging by with a big smile on their face? And someone was like, yes, someone walking by slowly with a big smile on their face looking at you. Oh, absolutely. And then it escalated to like someone walking by with their knees going the wrong way and spiders coming out of their eyeballs smiling. But to me, it's really, it's the someone, like if someone walked past my house looking at me and smiling the whole time, I would move. And, you know, I think, I mean, not to get
1: right into it here, but I mean, that feels to me like, An example kind of of the uncanny a little bit, Hmm. even if that is human, it's sort of an inhuman way of acting that could make us feel creeped out a little bit. Like the worst thing ever is when someone is being menacing toward you with a smile on their face because you can tell that there's like not a lot of empathy
0: behind those eyes. And that's uh, doesn't bode well. (laughs) for you yeah I want you to explain the uncanny but first I want to describe something which I feel like fits in some kind of a way into it which is something my mom taught me when I was a kid and that she had done when she was a kid which is that you take like a hand mirror and you put it under your chin and then you walk around inside your house and you pretend you're walking around on the ceiling whoa and I loved that whoa how did it make you feel I've never done it. Well, it's like you're—you'll be walking underneath, like through a doorway, and if you've been doing it for long enough, you like without thinking about it, like step over the like wow. high, the part where if the house would flip, you would have to step over the like top of the wall that the doorway doesn't cut through, and it's just—it's this wow, thing of like, I don't, it's kind of like seasickness, I guess. You're like tricking your body into thinking that you're walking on something you're not walking on. It's it's. My mom invented VR headset games. <laughs> now, did your mom invent this, or is this, like, something people used to do for fun? I'm sure that she, like, learned this from an aunt or something. This feels like... I feel, yeah, like, there was this book in the olden times that Tin House republished, like, 15 years ago called, like, How to Have Fun Alone with Nothing or something like that, and I think that, like... <laughs> Yeah, there's like a a lot of lost knowledge about how to amuse yourself as a lonely child with no technology and it wasn't all hoops and sticks.
1: I feel like you could call that like aunt lore (laughs) or aunt lore, if you will. Either way,
0: totally. Or like, yeah, how to make a little doll out of a hollyhock flower. My mom taught me that too.
1: My dad taught me how to play poker using the heads of dandelions as poker chips.
0: (laughs) That's really, I love that.
1: I know, isn't that darling?
0: And then he started a dandelion casino.
1: (laughs) We've been rich ever since.
0: (laughs) So, Kelsey. Yes. What are you afraid of?
1: Oh, well, I've got this list that is just absolutely (laughs) bizarre Um, but I think the first thing I'll tell you about is the video that I saw on I think it was the show called Scariest Places on Earth that came out in the year 2000.
0: This was like such a late 90s, like the Discovery and Travel Channel where like they were transforming into something else, but they weren't all the way there yet. So you would have like beautiful castles in France for an hour. And then it was the scariest places on earth. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it was like a largely paranormal type of show, I think. And I don't have that like, initial memory of watching it on TV, but I definitely remember finding it on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels like it was pre-YouTube, but again, I I don't really remember what those days were like. But um, the video was, it unfolded thusly. And Sarah, you already watched it with me and we've already kind of been through this, but What happens on the video is you see the first person, like, videography of a man with, like, a mini DV, Mm -hmm. really basic handy cam. And, you know, it's got very Blair Witch found footage vibes. And you never see the man with the camera, but you see him walking through the Paris catacombs. And he's totally alone alone and he's you know kind of stopping and picking up different bone fragments at one point he like picks up a broken skull and it's all very authentic like you can Mm -hmm. tell this man is definitely in the catacombs underground like deep in there far beyond where
0: you can go as a tourist and i haven't been there but the catacombs are like how would you describe them
1: i mean i haven't been there either. Which I, like, is this gaping hole inside of me. (laughs) 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 But, um, basically... They are a series of very, very, very extensive tunnels. I've read 200 to 400 miles of tunnels Mm. on several different levels that were made in Paris during the 1700s, I believe. And they took all of the bodies out of the graveyards, all of the bones, I should say, out of the graveyards because they thought that the dead were causing all of these uh, medical issues. With people. Hmm. So they were afraid of that. So they like took all of the bones, millions of people's bones. And here's where it like gets so confusing to me. I'm like, how did they dig all these tunnels? (laughs) Like, Like, how the fuck did they do it? And I know there are answers, and I know there are people out there that are like,
0: do your research, but I didn't. And so This is a great example of like what happens in mysteries and conspiracy theories is that people are like Like there's actually a line in Peep Show that encapsulates this perfectly where Mark is dating a very bossy lady and it turns out she's into crystal skulls, like sacred ancient crystal skulls. And she's like, could you make this? And he's like, no. And she's like, could anyone? And he's like, yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's how this feels. So he's down there, right? He's got his handy cam. He's exploring bones and... He is definitely at the part like there are the parts of the catacombs where like all of the really amazing sculptures, I guess you would call them, Mm. are that people over the years made out of these bones, which is just like I mean, the catacombs is a a
0: whole other thing, a
1: wild thing that I don't understand at all, which probably makes everything a lot scarier.
0: I hope people aren't taking selfies down there. I hope like a medieval, you know, person didn't end up in the background of like somebody's selfies
1: i mean people are definitely taking (laughs) selfies down there
0: (laughs) i don't i don't think look you guys do what you want but like i don't know it seems weird (laughs) i mean do it at your own risk i
1: guess yeah so i probably wouldn't do it i think i'm with you
0: um you you gotta i mean you just like i (sighs) I'm not terribly superstitious, I don't think. But, like, if you're in the presence of millions of human bones, like, you just, <laughs> like, like get a good look and say a little prayer. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, they're Ugh. not going to hurt you, but they are human. You know, I don't know. This is the whole... Maybe we're going to talk about this the whole time. But, like, I don't think you have to be scared of human remains or think that they are capable of directly hurting you or haunting you to recognize their sacredness as a religious term but like that there's that there's a power in that and that that's like that was a person that was yeah. part of a person it helped them get around it held their brains together it helped them walk at whatever and like I don't know I guess it feels like that there's an element of horror and of horror movies that's about the young being callous because that's the way to feel like you're never gonna deal with death yourself and scary stories having to bring young people down in that way.
1: Absolutely.
0: Catacomb selfies just seemed like the beginning of a direct to video horror movie.
1: Direct to streaming, maybe. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, you know, we just did our 12 foot skeleton exploration of skeleton decorations in America. Something we talked about so much was like the fact that before the 1980s, most skeletons that you saw anywhere were real skeletons. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it was extremely expensive to make a skeleton, but it was really cheap to import skeletons from India. So there was a whole bone underground market. And so your high school skeletons, your biology skeletons, your movie skeletons, your Pirates of the Caribbean skeletons. like m- Oh my God,
0: the movie skeletons.
1: Yeah, not all of them because movies had a large budget,
0: so a lot right. of times they didn't have
1: to do it. But like Poltergeist, that is a pool of real human
0: skeletons. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre too because they had like sexual... I remember, and I didn't know this was why, but in that when they talk about making that movie, they're like, well, we found out it was a lot cheaper to import a human skeleton from India yeah. than to get a fake one. And I was like, what?
1: Yep. And that, that's, that was normal. There's also like the, this is,
0: (laughs) I haven't really read about this very much at all, but you know how in Philadelphia, I think this actually, I learned about it on a travel channel special when I was a kid. There's this museum, the Mutter Museum. I think technically it's the Mutter Museum, but no one's going to bother calling it that. And it's a museum of medical oddities and stuff. So they have, like, you know, a whole wall of skulls and, like, I think a replica of a giant colon and this doctor's, these um, drawers he made of, like, shellacked bits of, like, everything he took out of a choking person's mouth. <laughs> wow. For, like, ears and ears, <laughs> stuff like that. But there's also, there's, like, a lot of human remains of people who did not or could not give consent to have people have weddings you know, next to their body parts. And apparently just recently, this has become something the museum has to deal with Is kind of people protesting and worrying about it. And it's just, I don't know. I don't don't know exactly where I stand on that, except to say that it is very complicated and that it probably isn't that hard to get a robust collection of uh, body parts that people said you could show around. But I guess, I don't know. This is just... The question of how we cohabitate with the dead, I think, is extremely important for all of us, whether we admit it or not.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't know, when I think of the catacombs, it's like pretty cool that people are building these like in or people have built these like incredible, you know, monuments or whatever you want to call them, like incredible sculptures using skulls and bones, because like if I that were my body i would be like that's rad you know (laughs) versus Mm -hmm. like some maybe less dignified things i'm not sure it's like
0: it's the loneliness of being in a coffin you know uh, that that gets to me like it's i think this is a kind of a thing that like like i think there was an episode of america's next top model where they were sent to the catacombs and like some of the girls really like We're not having it. Were they
1: modeling in the catacombs?
0: Oh, my God. I don't even think they
1: were. I think (laughs) it was just
0: a field trip, but they would do something like that. It was just
1: Tyra Banks being like, how can I just traumatize these women as much as possible?
0: Well, they did have one where a contestant like had just found out that a friend of hers from back home had just died And then they did a photo shoot where all the girls had to pose inside of coffins. Wait, related to that or by coincidence? No, they just like had decided on it in advance and they were like, all right, Kaylin or whoever, there's no excuses in modeling. And it's just like, yeah, the challenges on that show, you're like, when is this going to come up in modeling? (laughs)
1: Talk about something to be afraid of early 2000s fashion (laughs) competition shows. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's what I'm afraid of, truly.
1: More after this. off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. And now, back to the show. Okay, so speaking of all these bones, right? So the catacombs. What's this guy doing? We're back to the catacombs. And we have this guy who is essentially rifling through these whole rooms of bones. Because when you get to these other levels, it's just like, basically, you know, there's like, all these tunnels and then there's all these other tiny tunnels that branch off and then there's all these rooms that kind of branch off from there that are just full of bones Mm -hmm. no design to them just like they were dumped in there because again these are like millions of people's bones which is just really hard for me to comprehend yeah never having been there
0: it's also interesting and i'm sure there was an internal logic to all this but that they were like we think it's a health hazard to have all these graveyards and so we're going to move all of these human remains by hand and spend a lot more time with them
1: i know I know. It's strange. Not They didn't always have the best logic in the uh, 1700s, although it was supposed to be the Age of Enlightenment. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we are watching this guy. We're with him. You know, the light of the video is like very green the way that it is when you're filming underground mm. with a crappy camera. And basically he just starts moving through the tunnel He starts to move like a little bit faster, like he's been startled in some way. And you can kind of hear his breath just starting to get a little faster. And you realize that he's starting to realize that he's lost and he's realizing he doesn't know where he's going. And he starts to panic He's heaving his breath, and he's running and running and running. And then suddenly, in very Blair Witchian style, he drops the camera. He runs by. You see his feet splash. And then he Mm -hmm. is gone. And, you know, the camera just lies there on the ground. And all you can see is, like, you know, a close-up of of the wall of the cave. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that is kind of the basic document. And from there, ABC took that and made a whole um, mini documentary about it. You know how, like, back then, episodes were, like, two stories in one, like, (laughs) 23-minute episode? So it was a very small documentary about people going into the catacombs to try to see if they could find this man who had apparently gone missing in the 90s. Mm Mm-hmm. And at at that point, he would have been missing for a handful of years.
0: Although, depending on how much he's decomposed, like, how are you supposed to tell the difference between him and all his buddies down there? Well,
1: he's going to have a 90s outfit on the bones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm laughing partly because I'm pretty sure this whole thing was a hoax. But boy, is it creepy.
1: Well, and that is something... That I bring to you now because I've been on Reddit, I've been Mm. on YouTube, I've been just on Google (laughs) and I have not been able to find anything that says for sure that A, the ABC special was a hoax or that B, the footage was a hoax. Yeah, when you watch the ABC documentary, which we did together, I mean, there mm. are elements of cheese, I think we could say, Oh yeah. but I did just rewatch it. And, you know, it's not something where you can easily be like, yes, this is fake. This is like totally a script like they do a good job the way the Blair Witch does um, yeah. without having like. Obvious lines given to the people who are apparently actors or not, but yeah, to this day, it has not been definitively proven either way, and that is a good hoax.
0: Yes, and and it's good TV. Too. Yeah, it's good TV. <laughs> and that is like, and there's something about because you and I have talked a lot about we both love the Blair Witch Project. You love it more than I do. And I've come to love it more since experiencing your love for it. I always really liked it, but I see its greatness through your eyes. And I think (laughs) something that has always been clearly such a big part of it, you know, was the kind of marketing they did for it where they had like the companion sci-fi channel documentary, which I saw when it aired and scared the shit out of me. 1999 was a great time for the sci-fi channel. They had MST3K. Uh, in its first run, and they had the Blair Witch documentary. What more could you ask for? And they still had a C. (laughs) (laughs) Illustrious, yes. They still had that C. (laughs) And also the website with Heather's diary and, you know, photos of Josh's car and just this wonderful, elaborate, like really immersive kind of a game that you were invited to play. And I think what's so great about this Catacombs video in contrast is that it feels like You know, because it was such a smaller piece of culture, it kind of exists mostly in people's memories Mm -hmm. at this point. And you can like watch the clip and confirm that you didn't imagine it, but it's not something that like, you know, exploded in the way that the Blair Witch Project did in a way that forced all of the information about it out into the light.
1: Yeah. And maybe that's why. Nobody's ever really taken the time to try to debunk it. I mean, I'm looking at these Reddit threads and people have definitely, you know, come up with reasons that it's probably fake. Yeah.
0: What are the Redditors saying? Like, what's compelling to you from that? Let's see.
1: People are saying that since there's no particular missing person, right? Like the guy's never named, it's on some, you know, kind of sketchy paranormal show on sci fi. You know, it's like a situation kind of like how I felt when I first saw the trailer for Blair Witch, where I was like, how is this legal? And so it's (laughs) one of those things like, okay, so why don't the police have this video? Why do you, you know, documentarian who's doing a segment for ABC, have this footage yeah and 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 the guy like having another credit somewhere else the guy who made the documentary but he had a credit somewhere else on like another paranormal show but that that alone I don't think is very good evidence but I think it's like kind of easy to just say okay this is probably not real Mm -hmm. but then there's that difference between the video itself which you know was apparently found by what do they call them Cataphiles. Oh. Which I love. The people who. And, like, to be honest with you, this would maybe be me if I didn't, like, hate getting in trouble now that I'm old. But, um, <laughs> you know, they they find entrances into the catacombs through sewers and, you know, other places, like, through train tunnels and, and places that they're just, like, these little openings that you can get through. But, of course, police are always trying to find those and seal them off. And cops are actually, mm-hmm. like, always down in the catacombs, like, Looking for people who are in there, <laughs> which is like, wow, wow, what a, what a beat.
0: <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I wonder, I feel like that would just. It would be a lot of drunk and disorderly stuff, probably, really.
1: It is. And, and like, a lot of them do go down and, like, throw parties. And, of course, there's story after story of, of the satanic cults that are down there, the black masses that are being held. Apparently there are, like, Nazi I, yes. gatherings down there. You know, any any sensational group of people are gathering in the catacombs. So, you know, these, these like, cataphiles are saying, by and large, that... Although there are so many miles of these tunnels, it's actually really, really hard to get lost to the point where you wouldn't eventually find your way to some area that you could get out of or place that you could call for help. And Mm -hmm. even if you were to the point where you could not get out, there would be, you know, explorers down there, there would be cops down there, and eventually someone would find you. Like, there aren't actually a lot of instances or really any that aren't also flagged as potential urban legends of people getting lost and dying in the catacombs. Yeah. So it's it's unlikely, based on there being kind of no other examples of this, that that video... I mean, the video could be real, but the thing is, is we don't know <laughs> that the man didn't get out. We just know that he dropped his camera.
0: Right, he just lost his camera. Yeah, so we
1: don't really know what happened after that. Right.
0: After you showed me this video, I was reading people's theories on Reddit about it, and something somebody said that really like calmed me down about it made it less scary was like if he's running away from something and he's being pursued like why is he not turning around to Mm. try and see what's pursuing him and then why is he then ditching his only source of light potentially and this idea of like oh yeah why isn't he turning around and that's like really
1: interesting too because when i watch this video and maybe this is like a really interesting psychological difference between people. I was never really thinking that something was chasing him. Mm. Instead, I was just like, he's panicking because he's lost. And like, of course, so many people are like, what's chasing him? What's chasing him? And maybe I just didn't have that in my head because, you know, he never turns around. So it doesn't give you the sense that there is someone behind it. But of course, he starts running. Right. (laughs) So it's (laughs) obvious that he could be being chased and. I mean, then you have to wonder who's down in the catacombs, Yeah, which is scary. Like, who the fuck is down in the catacombs? That is a very scary thing if you're by yourself with your camera just, like, looking through the bones. And you're like, yeah. who is down here? You hear a noise. You don't hear anyone chasing him. You don't hear, like, a second set of footsteps or anything like that. You just, like, hear his breathing, which is really scary. And I think the panic Is what really scares me the panic of like realizing how fucked you are in a situation like that.
0: Yes, that is that just gave me chills a little bit because it is like the thing that I fixate on in scary stories is like because I think in fiction. And I think this connects to our belief in deities. Like we have this idea of like, well, if you're resourceful, then like things will turn out well for you because that's more fair. You know, if you're kind of smart and make the most of things, then like you will triumph. And really how like I yeah, what really freaks me out maybe the most are stories of people who like at some point knew that they were completely screwed and that they could do absolutely nothing about it. But wait.
1: And maybe that's why. Like, both you and I are kind of obsessed with stories like The Donner Party. Yeah. Or The Flight That Crashed in the Andes or any of these stories where there's, like, there are things that they can do, but there's also this need to keep at bay the fact that there is hardly a chance that they're going to survive whatever's happening. And not only not survive, but like when you're in the catacombs, it's not that you're just going to die. You're going to like wander around in a state of madness with no yeah. food or water surrounded by bones. It's not like you're, you know, it's, it's different than being just afraid of dying. It's, it's everything that comes before that. And I think that's also why I'm so obsessed with the Donner Party, because it was like it wasn't about dying. It was about how do you get through everything up to that point?
0: Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, you're going to die probably almost for sure, but there's a lot of hard work to do before you are allowed to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I one of my most favorite places in the world that I promise to take you one day, Sarah, is um, the old army bunkers at Fort Warden in Washington Mm -hmm. State, Port Townsend. Mm -hmm. And that is a series of tunnels that's obviously very different than the catacombs. But I think what I found in common there is, like, when my dad would tell me these stories when I was growing up because he had to work, like, cutting trails at this spot mm. uh, when he was a teenager. And basically, Fort Warden is this large man-made hill. And inside the hill are a series of tunnels. And they use those tunnels, you know, to protect the... Coastline uh, during mm-hmm. World War One and World War Two. Okay, so like they built these, mm-hmm. they didn't have to use them, but there are lots of them built in Washington State around the islands and and on the coast. So this particular one. My dad told me that the parts that you could get into as a tourist were already, like, very cool, by the way. They were, like, covered in freaky mm-hmm. graffiti back then. They're, like, more clean now, but they were covered in graffiti, and there were actual tunnels, and they were pitch black, and there were all these rooms full of old, weird electronic equipment, and, and it was it was very, very cool, but he told me that beyond just those rooms and those tunnels there was a whole series of other tunnels that were locked that you couldn't get into and that he had been inside of them and he actually called it the catacomb and so a large part of my growing up and going here was how do we get inside that part and it would be like Mm -hmm. we'd always look for these little inlets and it would be like (laughs) it'd be like oh shoot there's like a window like a cement cut out window I'm going to like hey Chelsea I'm going to hoist you up and you're going (laughs) to crawl through and you're going to like go on the other side and and see what's there and see if there's a way to get in and we were like you know I mean I banked on this forever I was always like we're going to get in there like we're going to figure it out we're going to find that passage and get in there and then it was always like okay once we do that you know I was like okay we'll bring a piece of chalk and we'll draw the chalk along the wall so we know which way we went or okay we'll get a giant fucking ball of yarn and tie you know so it's like mm-hmm. I think that that might be why I, I was so taken by this video because like the video scares
0: me but the video is also like you I want
1: I love it and I, I want more of it
0: yeah like imagine if you just found like a door and you just went into it and you saw what was going on like that's kind of most kids stories in a way yeah. it's some kind of a door
1: yeah and that's what I mean that's what we want I was there once and this was so strange i saw one of the metal like there were these huge metal doors right and they're locked and they have like the very medieval sliding lock like the big piece of metal that slides into the the two slots on the other side of the door and you couldn't get in and and there was a hole where like the the knob would have once been and from (laughs) tied from the inside and draped down through the hole was like a baby's onesie.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Like it couldn't really have been tied from the, you know, it was like tied from inside yeah. and then pulled through the hole. Never forgot that. Yeah. Probably it's nothing. But, uh, but, you know. Who knows? And that was definitely a place where I thought I saw, like relics of devil worship because it would be like a concrete slab and somebody put a bunch of black candles on it and drew a pentagram because that's what you do in a tunnel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're either a train or a Satanist if you're in a Mm -hmm. tunnel.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I love I love a tunnel. I love being in a tunnel.
0: I like a tunnel, too.
1: So I guess what I fear is also what I love. But yeah, so that's the catacomb video that really that freaked me out and you can watch it on YouTube everybody.
0: I highly recommend it. Yeah, you can be freaked out too. Yeah, and I feel like it is, I don't know, whatever what you make of it is kind of an interesting way to examine where your brain goes. Like how do you try to punch holes in it? Do you not? Do you just let it wash over you? Yeah. Do you theorize about the guy who found the video? Do you theorize about the people at the travel channel? Like, where you go when you try and make sense of something, also, I think, is I don't know. It's just all it's interesting to be scared, <laughs>
1: man. I miss the days when I just let things wash over me because
0: yeah. making
1: the show, like has changed me to the point where it's hard. To have things wash over me, and people in my life that I love that have not gone down the path that I have of skepticism, who knew me back then, will send me these videos, um, you know, from TikTok or some shit. When I'm just like yeah. immediately like fake, 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 you know, and I just I hate that because and I. I don't say it to them. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) you know, because I'm not here to like ruin everything that people love. But, you know, I I miss the days where it was easy to believe because I didn't have this total frame of reference of like, understanding how to interact with things critically. Mm-hmm. And I miss it. I miss, I really miss yeah. that magic. And we've talked about this, like, I feel like on other episodes too, of just like, it's hard to not have that sense of magic and wonder and have, you know, this this kind of critical lens that falls immediately upon kind of yeah. interacting with something that seems like it could be too good or too wild or whatever to be true.
0: Yeah. And it it feels like everything changes when you realize that there's like a direct connection between being uncritical about UFO theories and like the erosion of human rights in this country. Yeah. Which I did not see coming. No,
1: I mean, (laughs) (laughs) no. And I was in the year 2000 when we were watching like 10 craziest ufos caught on tape on fox the world's most haunted hotels yeah Yeah. just uh we couldn't have known how the paranormal would become so entwined with uh far-right conspiracy theories yeah
0: and i I don't even know how i can articulate you know the ufo connection except that it's like the lone gunman of the 90s became the like q message board people of the nows in many cases oh yeah Yeah. QAnon just ruined the party for everyone forever, I gotta say. It's like you show up to a a pretty good party. There are some oddballs, but it's under control. And then you like start blasting John Philip Sousa music (laughs) or something because the... I don't know. And then not that this is new, right? Because we've always had really dangerous conspiracy theories. Anti-Semitism has always trafficked in conspiracy theories. Um, We've always, or we haven't always, but we've had like theories about the Illuminati and the lizard people Mm -hmm. for at least since the 90s. But I don't know, I guess the ability to like scare yourself without making it a national issue, I think is really important. (laughs) It's really healthy. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And just, I don't know. When I think about, you know, we're not talking about my fears in this episode per se, but like something that comes to mind for like something I find really scary is there's this like old unsolved mysteries episode where this couple was just like harassed for years by somebody and they could never figure out who it was. And it became, I think, violent. Like, I think it did actually make culminate in murder. But like this like years long campaign of harassment against this couple who it's hard to imagine what they had done to anybody. And this idea of like, oh, yeah, like you could become a fixation for a random person. Like that's actually one of the scariest things I can think of is like somebody for some reason known only to them could just decide like that they need to, you know, stalk or harass you or, you know, you just will become a main character to them in a way that you has nothing to do with you.
1: That's very scary. It's it's like almost hard to get close to people sometimes in this world, isn't it? Because yeah. it's like I don't know. It's like the scariest thing ever is that is exactly what you're talking about.
0: Right. Yeah, and really and you know, you know it's pretty scary both intimacy and the possible scary things that happen to you while you're trying to find it. And if you don't find it, also scary. Right. It's it's really... <laughs> It's all scary. We're all very brave. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I feel like I would like to be in a relationship, but I also feel like I've got my life really nicely arranged, and my association with relationships is basically someone's going to come in and throw all my stuff on the floor, and I like it in the shelves. It's
1: true. And, you know, maybe one day you'll find someone who takes the things and puts them on the shelf in a way that you didn't think of before and you say wow I can't live without you. You're like
0: wow my recording stuff in the Calyx basket it's perfect. You
1: did it. More
0: after this
1: and now back to the show would you like to hear my next fear? hmm. Okay I
0: would love to hear your next fear.
1: I feel like this has maybe been discussed briefly on our show, but one of my greatest fears, and this is going to get into that thing that we talked about in the beginning of like, I'm afraid of this just by looking at it. And it makes Mm -hmm. no logical sense. Mm -hmm. And I have no like base trauma that I can Mm -hmm. remember that would cause me to be triggered by this site. Okay, Mm -hmm. so. What I am very, very afraid of, what causes me to sweat, (laughs) to tense up, and to actually have to look away is whenever I see someone on stilts.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And they have to be wearing, I'd like to be very clear here, they have to be wearing pants. They have to be wearing stilt pants so that it (laughs) looks like their legs are very long. Double if it's one of those people on four, Legs on all fours. Oh yeah,
0: being like a Lion King giraffe.
1: Yeah, like all yeah, and you know, and I see this. I see this. I just saw it at the friggin' Piala Fair the other day, and um, it really since I was a kid, has just skeeved me out to the point where I Mm -hmm. really do have to do, like, one of these with my... You can't see it, but I'm, like, holding my hand Mm -hmm. up to block the sight of it. Everyone in my life knows to, like, warn me when they see someone on stilts. And, uh, you know, I I just... I don't have an explanation for it. I have some theories that you and I Mm -hmm. have discussed about this fear. And that includes it being an extension of my fear of spiders. Mm -hmm. And that does make sense biologically. There are like studies where they've shown infants photos of like a flower, another plant, Mm. a tree, and then same infants Shown them photos of snakes, spiders, and their pupils dilate mm-hmm. differently when mm-hmm. they're looking at these potentially dangerous types of insects and, you know, crawly things that yeah. historically, you know, over our evolution over millions of years would have been things that we would want to develop a repulsion yeah. toward, right? Are you scared of spiders though?
0: I like spiders. Okay. Um, And I'm one of those people. This is actually something my dad and I had in common. I remember like visiting him once and he was like, Yeah, I've got these spiders that live on my ceiling, but the spiders eat the bugs. So I just have spiders up there and I like it. And I I have a (laughs) similar attitude towards spiders. If I see a spider in my house, I think about all the bugs they're eating for me. And actually, I saw someone posted on Reddit the other day. They were like, My. Spider friend who lives in the bathroom just caught a wolf spider. I'm so proud of him. Whoa. Because some real spider on spider.
1: That's a spider I can get down with because wolf (laughs) spiders are my... Worst spider? Are they? I mean, they do. They
0: are scary looking. Are they poisonous?
1: I think they give you like one of those big bumps, but nothing really happens. Oh God,
0: yeah, hate a spider bite. There was also. Do you remember how in the '90s everyone and their brother was like, "Did you know studies show that the average person eats (laughs) thirty spiders?" Yep, I sure remember that. And I was like, "Where are we getting this data
1: from?" (laughs) The number ranges from like eight to. 4,000.
0: Yeah. And I think (laughs) Dave Barry had a column really dating myself here. There was a very (laughs) funny Dave Barry column that was like, this is probably because Martha Stewart eats like 50,000 spiders a year and throws (laughs) off the average for everybody
1: else. I feel like I remember that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I feel I feel okay about spiders. And I wonder about this is such an interesting topic too because I think like different people have different innate fears and then how much of it is like do you learn by observing adults and stuff because like I my fixation as a kid was that something was going to grab my feet and if Mm. I was like walking down a hallway and I started thinking about like what if something was behind me like I remember being like seven and noticing getting this what I described as like an itchy feeling on the back of your feet mm. the feeling of like i just imagined something and it might be behind me oh psychosomatic <laughs> yeah yeah but but with the spider thing i mean i think that makes sense for the stilt people and then i would also ask how do you feel about daddy long legs like is that a super scary spider for you
1: it's not i hmm. can pick up a daddy long leg
0: oh wow because I feel like those are the stiltiest spider.
1: You, I know. And that is something <laughs> I've thought about. And, you know, spiders and snakes, to use the other example, I've also read this, you know, all this is kind of like theory, so I don't really know, but that, you know, you would expect like, well, we should all be scared of spiders if it's mm-hmm. an innate thing, right? But there have been, like, other studies, I believe, that have showed, like, if you have positive early experiences, then it's kind of like that gene doesn't, like, click hmm. on or whatever. I'm, n- I'm no biologist.
0: Yeah, and I think I was given spiders to play with as a child, probably.
1: Yeah, and, like, I fucking... My, <laughs> my mother was so scared of spiders that she couldn't, like, be in a room with the spider, and so I'm, like, seeing my mom as a kid, seeing my mom freak out at the sight of a spider so of course I'm internalizing yeah. like mother is afraid and <laughs> you know so it's, I think that that obviously didn't help the cycle of trauma began with my granny who is not scared of spiders picking up spiders and pretending to throw them in
0: my mom oh no <laughs> we're a yeah. prank family
1: yep. um so yeah there's just a lot of like unresolved family <laughs> spider trauma right <laughs> that. but uh you know and this st- stilt thing though yeah right we're, we're on that so it's like the other thing that i'm very unnerved by is a giraffe scared of giraffes yeah don't okay. like seeing a giraffe very much
0: <laughs> I just look up a picture of a giraffe and is it like is it the legs or is it the whole package <laughs> look sarah at a giraffe running more okay. specifically
1: because it has a spider-like cadence to its
0: run <laughs> Okay, I've got a video here. Yeah. You can see it? There is something really different. There's something. I don't know. It's it's something about the legs don't really... They seem to be operating. This is actually something Chandler said about Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. The legs are moving about as if independent from the body. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. God, remember Lord of the Dance? You don't see ads for that anymore. No, you
1: sure don't. Remember puppetry of the penis? You don't see yes, that anymore. Yeah, I do. God, I don't know why those are in the same category. This
0: weekend at the Keller Auditorium, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance.
1: Um, yeah. So. I don't know. That is like my only my only other idea. And this comes directly from my mom of why I could be afraid of stilts is that she had knee surgery when I was really little and she came in on crutches and mm. the crutches were very upsetting to me. Apparently, I have no memory of this, mm. but she said that I was very upset by these crutches and by the fact that like she might not be OK, but also mm. by the crutches, I believe specifically. So maybe that was the uh the starting point maybe it's just all mixed together but yeah I cannot I find that experience I guess I guess you would call it a phobia but I don't want to be like dramatic because it doesn't really interfere with my life it maybe interferes with like five (laughs) minutes of my time at the fair but other than that it's like not a huge deal but you know it is weird that I would have all these physical, like actual physical symptoms Mm -hmm. from just seeing something and I have really truly no idea. You know, and I don't think I have any, like, forgotten stilt
0: trauma. But who knows? (laughs) I don't know. It was the 90s. Wow, you can hire a stilt-walking grandpa entertainer for events. And I guess my question is, which events would you need that for?
1: (laughs) What does he look like?
0: Uh... (laughs) I'm I'm just going to send you this listing, <laughs> okay? <laughs> he looks like a grandpa, I guess. He's got like a golf cap and plaid pants and he's got a really tall walker. Oh, that's fun. Find a stilt walker near me. Wow. This is YTE Events and Balloon Decor. I think they're spreading themselves a little thin. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. I get it. I feel Oh, Mardi Gras stilt walkers in Tampa, Florida. When it comes to, oh my God, Chelsea, oh no, we're going to New Orleans. Oh God, we are. (laughs) First sentence. When it comes to celebrating Mardi Gras, one of the main things that comes to mind are the stilt-walking entertainers that parade the streets. I have literally never thought of that when I hear the phrase Mardi Gras, but... Hmm. So we're just going to have to take turns putting our hands over your eyes.
1: We'll be there for Halloween, so maybe that will limit the stilt walkers, or maybe it'll just make them
0: even scarier. I guess we'll see. I bet there's, like, a Mardi Gras stilt walker who's like, I'm doing it! I'm coming out for the Halloween! I'm stilting. Stilting around town.
1: Oof, yeah. Yeah, I I did see a couple years ago at my local haunted house, there was a, like, killer clown on stilts which Oh felt, god. You know and I like I was okay. I like I felt more okay with that and I'm not really sure why, but I think it was like made ridiculous by it's like like I feel like if it would have been a more matter of fact clown, I would have found it scarier than such a like right. hot topic a self-aware clown. clown. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess all I can say is that I really get your fear of the stilt people, you know, and because I think there, I think a lot of what we do as people that gives us comfort is just kind of pattern recognition. And, and also, did you know, I'm sure you've read this, that like chlorophobia, the word for the fear of clowns, mm-hmm. actually means fear of people on stilts. I know. So what's I, that about? I,
1: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it feels like unfair because I'm like, well, now it makes it really hard for me to search for my like extremely specific
0: Yeah. Circus related fear (laughs) because everyone's like, can't sleep clowns elite me. And it's like, all right, 2003. Yeah, we get it. But, you know, and I'm sure you've talked about this in connection with clowns, too, that like clowns are unsettling to us because we don't understand the social rule book they're using because their Mm -hmm. their goal is to subvert social norms and how like that, I think, you know, freaks us out because as social animals, we kind of feel like we know where we are based on having you know, like every language has sayings that like, you know, they don't literally mean what, what they are. We all have idioms. We all have mm. sort of, you know, rituals of etiquette that we have to follow so that people understand what's going on. And when anything breaks that, I think it makes sense that we got unnerved. And also st- stilts are still I'm really with you that if the pants completely change the game, oh, you yeah. know,
1: I wouldn't care at all if I saw just, like, naked legs on stilts. I wouldn't care. It just wouldn't matter. I'd just be like, wow, great job. That looks kind of hard. Um, but, But I think that this brings me to, like, something I'm very interested in and have never gotten really a decisive kind of answer on. And I can't really find a lot of resources that talk about this. But the difference between something that's creepy and something that's eerie oh yeah huh? because like creepiness we talked about this in the clown episode so i have talked to you about this before but creepiness basically what psychologists think is happening there is one you're seeing something that you're assessing as a possible threat mm. so like Someone on the bus is staring at you and you feel creeped out by it. Right. But the other part of you, the part of you that's like a social animal that has like these unspoken social codes that we all follow is like, well, maybe nothing is actually wrong. And, you know, mm-hmm. so you are holding these two different feelings And kind of like biological mechanisms inside your brain at the same time. And it causes this like weird malfunction to happen in your brain because you don't want to ignore the threat so you're like becoming hyper aware of it you know you're like watching this guy we all know this you're like staring forward but watching the guy out of the very corner of your eye, so Mm -hmm. he can't tell that you're looking Mm -hmm. so you have that sense of threat but you also don't want to do something that is going to get you like negative social attention like run screaming from the bus or accuse Mm -hmm. him of doing something wrong so you have this like creepy feeling but i don't think that that makes sense for like what eeriness is and i'm interested in like what do you when i say eerie and eeriness like what comes to mind for you
0: i think i think of like a creepy castle and mist on the moors like i this is uh eerie seems like a british word (laughs) and actually i just looked this up and what we get from the dictionary is strange and frightening example an eerie green glow in the sky origin middle english originally northern english and scots in the sense fearful probably from old english eerg cowardly of germanic origin related to german arg which I did not see coming.
1: No, I didn't see that coming at all.
0: But the idea of just, like, it it makes you... I don't, I don't know if this is correct, but that feels more like it puts cowardice in your heart, basically. Like, it puts you in a frame mm. to just, like... Maybe eerie, by that definition, is, like, there isn't a definite threat, but you just kind of decide to treat it as such.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, the only... Like, the closest I can get to it is, like, you know, the, like, poetic idea of the sublime, where, like, you're being like almost annihilated by like the natural world because it's both so beautiful and so terrifying that it yeah. like creates this feeling of reverence and awe that like we can say is what beauty feels like. Yeah. Um. So I almost like when I think of eeriness, it feels related to beauty to me and the experience, like the embodied experience of beauty. And like, that's as far as I can really get is it almost feels like, beauty but like twist it and make it unnerving somehow yeah yeah I don't know
0: right like when I think of something eerie it's like it's not a threat coming for you but it's like something that feels like evidence that something has happened
1: ooh okay as well okay mm-hmm that's interesting
0: something I consistently find very creepy um, I have my bathroom you know the up in such a way that if you have the toilet paper on the roll you kind of can't get at it from a good angle because it's just blocked by (laughs) your entire body. So I just keep it on the sink because I just don't have as far as I've thought it through. And sometimes I'll have like people over at my house and then I'll go to use the bathroom and someone has very nicely put the toilet paper like on the dispenser. And I'm like, did I do that and not remember it? Did somebody? Break into my house and put my (laughs) toilet paper in the correct place. Like it's always, the it's like a one out of ten on the eeriness scale. But there is something to it where I'm like something is different, and I don't know how this happened. And I can easily think through who did it and why. But it's still, you know, what kind of a person?
1: (laughs) Yes, what kind of person? Well, that's like I guess that just goes to show. Like I don't know. It's such a strange thing because like there are oftentimes when I am standing and I'm looking like into the woods. Right. And sometimes I look into certain woods and I think that looks really eerie. And then Mm -hmm. I look into other woods and I don't have that feeling. Right. So I just am like it feels like this this thing that doesn't have that much rhyme or reason to it. And it maybe is like affected by your own life and experiences and your own psychology, like what you find eerie. But yeah, I just, I just can't put my finger on exactly what eeriness is and, and why we would feel it. And it almost feels in that way like otherworldly. And it it it's that's when I start to feel like, you know, when you start to question like, is there another realm? Is there some paranormal thing yeah. that I'm not aware of? Is there like something leaking through to this world that is giving me this feeling that yeah. feels spiritual, but not like spiritual, but it feels like more than mortal. And I don't know. And I mean, beauty's the same way when you truly experience like an embodied yeah. moment of beauty. That feels to me like something's cutting through like the fabric of our world. And that is very scary and very cool. And I don't know what to do with it, but that is like truly a way that I feel just in certain moments looking at certain things. And I don't know if that's true for stilts, but uh, (laughs) it it does like approximate that sometimes because, you know, I guess it's like I'm assessing it as a threat. So I guess it's creepier than Mm -hmm. it is eerie. But again, these lines are like very interesting to me.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's fascinating. And our relationship to language is in it and the way we kind of describe our own emotions. I actually like read a children's picture book last night about that's meant to teach children how to deal with emotions and like, welcome them in. Accept your feelings. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And then I was overwhelmed by a feeling later on that day and was like, well, imagine it as like a, what does the feeling look like? And I was like, it looks like a sheep. Just got to hold this sheep for a minute. Yeah. It was very helpful. But, but yeah, I feel like there's something when you talk about the creepy forest, I have a link to try and find and send you. The
1: eerie forest. I'm sorry. (laughs) When you talk about the eerie
0: forest, which is very different, although there is. It does have a little overlap with the creepy forest. Certainly, That makes me think of, I'm going to send you a Wikipedia article. And this actually is about something unambiguously scary. This is about two unsolved murders in England, women named Kate Bushell and Lynn Bryant. But the the pictures that accompany it are what, what you're talking about makes me think of. Because they're, at the top of this article is a picture of a country lane. yeah. And when you read the description and know what happened there, to me, there's something extremely upsetting about the disconnect between this picture of a country lane. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful time of day. You've got the sort of afternoon sunlight shining in, which actually would have likely been the case at the time of day that the murder happened. And to me, just like looking at it, I would never get a creepy feeling from it. I don't think Mm -hmm. like if I were walking down this lane, I would. It looks actually very similar to a walk my mom and I often do. And you're always like "Ah, nature. It feels so good to be in nature.
1: Yeah, it looks lovely.
0: Yeah, it looks great. And I feel like beneath all the terminology we're talking about, there's also a feeling of like surely I should know my body should register if I'm walking through a beautiful place where something terrible happened. Surely I should feel it. And then the fact of the matter is that we study history partly because that isn't true at all. Yeah,
1: absolutely. God, absolutely. Ugh. cause like, okay. So it looks like, yeah, like some really frightening murder took place on this lane.
0: Yeah. And then there's the, the same, a picture of the next spot, which was, um, by a methodist church which is you know outside of the forest but again it's like you look at most places where something pretty unthinkable happened and like you wouldn't know unless somebody told you
1: and it does like it almost like causes the photo to like change in my vision yeah like it's like it like twists a little bit and like looking at this lane after reading like this short description of this murder that happened there like it appears sinister to me in a way that it didn't before yeah and like I don't know what that is I mean you know I mean obviously like you're projecting something on it now but it, it just it's a really really strange phenomenon to have that photo change it's almost like yes it looks like you know when you blur your eyes and do one of those.
0: the magic boat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Totally, which my grandpa used to cut out of the newspaper and mail to me. (laughs) Oh, well, bless his heart. (laughs) From Australia. And then, like,
1: okay, so, like, the other thing that I think of when I think of eerie stuff, and this is, again, like, it's not perfect, but, like, fucking here, I'm going to send it over to you. Mm -hmm. Renaissance and... Oh yeah, Middle Ages, medieval artwork. It, it's I'm not experiencing a threat, and there are like, you know, it, it like this particular guy. Um, because I've been searching a lot of I. I oh haven't... my god!
0: See, I also this is so funny. I grew up really liking looking at Hieronymus Bosch paintings because yeah. they were the most fun paintings in my mom's old art history books.
1: Yeah, they're out of this world. I mean, could you maybe like find me your favorite and give me a little description of what you're seeing?
0: I remember actually when I was at PSU in the Xerox room of the English department, they had a print of the Garden of Earthly Delights above the Xerox machine, which was always sort of like weird to contemplate when you were making copies of a syllabus. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I'm going to pull that one up.
1: Famously, an earthly delight. (laughs)
0: Because he has like you know heavenly paintings and also like hell paintings and obviously I I enjoyed those two as a kid I had when I was a child a children's book called Pish Posh Hieronymus Bosch no you did not yes I did no no way (laughs) my mom got it at the store for dorky children okay so the garden of earthly delights is like I feel like these paintings are often crammed with naked people. There's like a giant landscape that your eyeballs just like would take quite a long time to take in. In this case, there's like giant sparrows that people are riding around. There's a couple who are like have set sail in, like, a giant peach or something that there's also a random foot sticking out of. Mm -hmm. There's somebody carrying a giant clamshell that has, like, a butt and legs sticking out of it. (laughs) I think that this is the painting with the ass music on it, where there's, like, an ass with, like, a little bit of musical notation written on it. I feel like I've seen that in a
1: meme, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, and then at the side, there's, like... I don't know what's going on religiously here, but like things get weirder off to the right. Um, and there's like a giant lute that, oh yeah, there's the ass music. The per-
1: There it is.
0: <laughs> the person with the music on their ass is underneath the lute. <laughs> and then there's what looks like Giant goat legs and like a hollowed out body with like a face on it and like ears with a knife sticking out between them. I've heard people theorize that Bosch was like on some kind of hallucinogen, but like I think that that, you know, while possible is kind of demeaning to the creative spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Arnolfini wedding, another favorite of my mom's and which I liked as a kid because it's got that. That mirror at the back.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, tell me about this one.
1: Well, it's just like a fucking eerie, eerie, eerie for me. Like, picture that has a quality that is so frightening to me because... I don't know why yeah. it's it's just like it's deeply unnerving. It's deeply unsettling. It's not supposed to be unsettling, though, whereas I think like some of the paintings of uh, Hieronymus Bosch are like supposed to be unnerving because there's like a lot of like wild stuff happening. There's mm-hmm. like a lot of imagery that's totally nonsensical and you know there's lots of violent imagery lots of like sexual imagery and there's like lots of things that are going to naturally unnerve you but then in like a painting like the one I just sent you it's just like two people holding hands Mm -hmm. and there's a dog and like a chandelier and he's wearing a big hat and I don't (laughs) think it's supposed to elicit like this feeling that it does inside of me
0: but I do see it like if you woke up and that guy was at the foot of your bed like you know I mean, really, if you woke up and any guy was at the foot of your bed <laughs> in an unexplained way, you know, things are not going well. But, yeah, I feel like you can see the uncanny here, though. And, like, one of the ways that it shows up is the hands. Yes. The hands are weird. The fingers are really elongated. Um, I think they're... Who is the spy? Uh, Van Eyck? Yeah. But the hands are, like do you think it's that these people are like kind of what you were saying with the uncanny valley it's like they're so close to looking like people but there's like an offness to it
1: yeah and that has got to be part of what it is is that it has to be the uncanny valley but even like the quality of the painting yeah I don't know again it's like it's so hard for me to put my finger on but I mean it's also like you said like with your lane you know your forested beautiful lane becoming scarier in context I guess I'm also like just deeply afraid of medieval era
0: anything because it's like what a scary time yeah medieval into renaissance really anything before 1967 <laughs> 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 it's a creepy time yeah that's true it's true i'm gonna send you this other painting this made me think of this is madonna with the long neck oh no by parmesanino she already sounds scary <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And she's got a long baby. What do you think of that one?
1: Oh, you know, this is so interesting because I was reading about, like, why babies look so fucked up in like, medieval and <laughs> renaissance art, uh-huh. and um, it's because basically everyone was painting Jesus as a baby, but mm-hmm. the Bible talks about how, like, when Jesus came out, he came out, like, as his final form, so people were, like, what? struggling with, like, how to make him both a baby and a man, so... They had all these wow. like
0: baby men. So there you go. Do you also see the tiny little guy in the corner? It's my favorite part.
1: Oh my God, I didn't even notice him. What's he doing there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's all very like pre surrealist art. And, you know, and Mm. that very much freaks me out as well. I mean, anything by Salvador Dali is like makes me feel uncomfortable and weird Mm -hmm. and, and is not like something I would probably choose to have in my home, especially because he loves putting animals on
0: stilts, doesn't he? God, I never noticed. But uh, yeah, classic (laughs) bat guy. This is also like, speaking of what we have in our houses, like... (laughs) This is like, I I think says so much about how my brain works, but like, I like snake plants. I like the aesthetic of them for Mm -hmm. people who don't know. They're like a very easy to take care of, very hardy houseplant. You see them a lot in office lobbies and places that don't get a ton of natural light necessarily. And they're like tall and pointy. They're like pointy at the top. They're not cactuses, but they're like pointier than your average houseplant and I like them and every so often I'm like should I get a snake plant and I'm like no and part of it is I'm afraid of falling on it oh and part of it is that I just feel that it attracts the wrong kind of energy to have something spiky in your house <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't blame you. And I don't know feng shui and I don't know what corners a spiky plant would like affect negatively. So it's just good to not bring one in, I think, in general. Quit
1: while you're ahead. And also
0: cactuses. Like whenever I see like a really big cactus, I just think of like, what if you fell off the roof trying to put up Christmas lights and got impaled by a cactus? To my knowledge, it has never happened. But that doesn't mean I don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> Only to Homer Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess uh this has been really great to talk about fucking eerie shit and spiders on stilts and uh medieval man babies, babies and uh <laughs> and uh, catacomb hoaxes. So, thank you so much uh for letting me tell you my fears,
0: Sarah, and ah. I'm excited to hear all about yours as well. And uh, a companion episode to this very episode. Yes, yes. Yeah, I loved I loved talking about your fears. I feel like we our conversations are always about fear in one way or another and it I don't know. I think that what I find comforting in a way in all this is that like as humans we have all these different emotional ways to process information and that fear can help get us out of bad situations and it can save us from a bad relationship or from a stilt clown. But also that it's like, you know, no matter what it's about, it's a way of understanding ourselves and I think understanding what humans are like. And I love that. I love being given more data. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Fear is a gift. Use it wisely. (laughs) This was American Hysteria. Make sure you head over to the feed for Your Wrong About and hear all about Sarah's dearest fears. If you're a fan of our show, a great way to help us out is to leave us a five-star review on the app of your choosing. It really only takes a second. You could do it right now, and it really helps us out. If you want to get more of our show, you can head to patreon.com americanhysteria American Hysteria or subscribe on your Apple podcast app. Not only will you get ad-free episodes, but you'll also get bonus content, including another podcast I do with producer Miranda called Hysteria Home Companion, where we tell you stories that were cut out from the episodes. And we also share feelings that have come up while making the series. That's patreon.com slash American Hysteria or subscribe on Apple+. Plus. We also have a new project going on called the Urban Legends Hotline. And if you go to Americanhysteria.com, you can leave us a voice message about a teenage tale that you heard growing up. It could be a legend that is local to your town or one you think that we all heard growing up. Just head to AmericanHysteria.com and leave us a message on the Urban Legends Hotline. And if your story sparks joy within us, we just might do an entire investigation where you will learn way more than you ever wanted to. And you'll hear your own voice on our show. This episode has sound design by Clear Como Studios and was produced and edited by Miranda Zickler. And I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I hope you have a great Halloween.